Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview Richard Tarhol, Professor and Director, Cottage Sports Research Institute and the Department of Sports and Entertainment Management at the University of South Carolina. So Richard, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. I appreciate the invitation. No, thank you. So uh, hey, Richard, what I want to talk to you about today is first we'll talk about your background and then we'll touch on the NIL. Uh, and if, in your opinion, we're making progress there, and then we'll talk about, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on any major issues with the NIL that you're currently seeing, and then what you would do to make the NIL better for student athletes. So how does it sound? Sounds great. Great, so uh, Richard, could you start by telling us about your background? Well, for the last uh, 23 years, I've been a researcher in the uh, college sports space. I primarily focus on Power Five football, men's and women's basketball, and those yeah. sports in the social, cultural, political, and uh, economic issues involving in college sport. So that's pretty much my background and where I've spent majority of my time. Okay. And so, you know, obviously in the past couple of years, right, there's been a lot of talk about the Neil. Uh, recently, I, I saw that uh, the son of LeBron James uh, got an endorsement of $10 million, right, from Nike, which is nice, right? But he's the son of LeBron James, right? So maybe it's an exception. But, um, you know, what would you do, uh, you know, to make the Neil, I guess, better in your opinion? Well, first of all, uh, let me sort of back up to give some context. Uh, name, image, and likeness uh, is a right that every a citizen has, they have the right to profit off their name, image, and likeness. So it's not something that the NCAA has suddenly granted to individuals. Uh, the other thing that is interesting is that name, image, and likeness, most often the use of that in a group context uh, is um, dealt with in a collective bargaining agreement among employees and management. And so this the notion of NIL or name, image, and likeness uh, is, in my opinion, pretty much a false flag uh, that everybody is focused on uh, and leaving to the side a couple of things that we can talk about that I think are much more fundamental and, and important. Yeah. Um, what's, what's fascinating is how the name, image, and likeness space has been characterized by people involved with the NCAA and other governing bodies and other lobbying entities. They've described it as a uh, Wild West situation in which it's totally out of control and leading to chaos, et cetera, et cetera, which I don't the NCAA see that. that. The NCAA said that. That's right. Uh, huh. And I don't see huh. that being the case. I don't see that it's uh, really I anything agree. other than a, a free market that is sorting itself out. Um, yeah. The, the, the 
many of the stakeholders involved in college sport, the athletic administrators, uh, the athletic uh, lobbying organizations have been to Congress recently and they're, they're wanting to get a creation of a registry for transparency and name, image, and likeness deals. They want to get an agent certification process. They want a uniform standard NIL contract. And those three things are present in professional sport through collective bargaining and a players association. But at the same time that the folks involved in college athletic administration are asking for those things that are mostly associated with a uh, collective bargaining agreement and a players association. They also want state preemption of all NIL laws uh, and they want to make sure that and ask that college athletes be deemed to be students and not employees. And they also want the NCAA to be granted uh, an antitrust or limited antitrust exemption. So in my opinion, uh, what's happening is name, image, and likeness is a diversionary tactic, so to speak. Everybody's focusing on that. Meanwhile, um, college athletes who are, uh, the, for example, the Na uh, National Labor Relations Board has, um, their position is that some college athletes should be deemed employees, not all college athletes. So what is happening with this NAL space, everybody's thinking about uh, how much money these players are making in NIL, which um, I agree that we need to have a little bit more uh, transparency on what's all involved because some of these um, contracts, these NIL contracts are actually value in kind or, or trade outs. So it's yeah. not actual cash necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I think what, what, what has happened is everybody's focused on NIL. Meanwhile, yeah. what the NCAA and its uh, stakeholders really want is to make sure that college athletes, no college athletes, should be deemed to be employees. Why is that? Because, because, because if they're employees, then you have to collectively bargain with them if they choose to, to main, uh, come they out with the Players Association. They don't want to deal with workers' compensation issues, which yep. is a big yep. issue. So what they're trying to do is to lump all college athletes together. And I think mm -hmm. that's a mistake. Um, when I talk about college athletes, I distinguish them and put them into two categories. The first one is the, if they are a profit athlete. Mm -hmm. And a profit, a profit athlete is an athlete whose grant and aid compensation uh, is less than their market value. So uh, what I'm saying there is that while it is the case that a college grant and aid, tuition fee waiver, room and board, et cetera, et cetera, is valuable, many times a profit athlete, let's for example, a power five football player uh, has a market value that greatly exceeds that compensation level. On the other hand, a loss athlete is an athlete whose market value is less than the compensation that they receive. So, right. for example, let's say it's a division. They're undervalued. undervalued. That's right. So, let's say, for example, a Division I tennis player may have a market value that is $10,000, but that athlete may be receiving a grant and aid compensation that greatly exceeds that. Well, for that athlete, it is in their benefit 
to not be an employee because their compensation market value is going to be less. So when the new president of the NCAA says he's never visited with a college athlete who says that they want to be an employee, I think his sample is skewed. And I don't think he's, I don't, if that's the case, then why don't they let college football player, power five football players, let's do a survey. Let's do an open survey. They're not going to do that. They don't want to do that. Probably. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. so I, I, I don't know if that's a little bit different take than some folks on NIL, because I think NIL is, is detrimental to college athletes because it still results in their classification as independent contractors. They're not gaining access to the value of the market that they're producing, that their labor produces, which is the media rights deals, ticket compensation, merchandise. They're not gaining access to all of that. They're having to go out and get a part-time job or even a full-time job to supplement their compensation that they have through the uh, NCAA G, uh, grant grant aids. Yeah, and so how how far do you think we've come with the NIL? I mean, do you feel like we're I mean we're making progress or we're just not? Uh, you know, what is your it, take it's, on that? It's better than it used to be. Okay. But again, I think it's as I would tell folks, don't take your eye off the ball. Because um, mm -hmm. name, image, and likeness, any any person. So if, let's say, for example, I'm a, uh, I'm a music major at Duke University, and I want to record an EP and go out and sell that. Of course I can do that. The, the college is not going to get involved in that. When we, we talk about a name, image, and likeness contract for a football player, all of a sudden, athletic administrators want to be deeply involved in what's going on there. Um, the, the, the proper entity to be representing college athletes is a college athlete players association, not uh, a, a, a parochial or paternal uh, organization that, that is going to, you can't have management representing labor is kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That makes sense. So, um, I mean, I, I think you touch on some of the issues, right, with the NIL currently, right? Any other, I guess, issue that you see at the moment with the NIL? Um, I, I really think that the we should let the state regulation is plenty of regulation. I don't see the need for federal legislation. We have a number of industries that are uh, regulated uh, on the state level, which is an interesting thing that a lot of people forget about, is that there are a number of industries, for example, professional scientific and technical services, waste management, chemical manufacturing, petroleum and coal, animal production, uh, ambulatory health care, insurance carriers, those are all regulated on the state by, on a state by state basis. Yeah. Um, and, and so this call for federal regulation of name, image, and likeness, I think is, again, uh, not necessarily in the player's best interest. It should be able to be negotiated um, on a case-by-case on a -case basis. And, and if you want to talk about agents being regulated, most often agents are regulated uh, by players' associations. So NFLPA regulates 
football players, agents. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of NIL stuff that we should be addressing, but I think this this federal preemption that uh, folks are talking about uh, is, I think, the wrong way to be be looking at things. Okay. And, and in your in your opinion, right? What would you do to make the needle better for student athletes? What are the things you would do? Um, the first thing I would do is I would um, abide by the guidelines uh, of the ruling of the National Labor Relations Board, which I don't know what how it's going to rule, but if the National Labor Relations Board deems that some college athletes uh, are uh, employees, I think those college athletes that are employees should be um, involved in a group licensing agreement as well as individual licensing agreements. Um, for the athletes that are deemed to be not employees, they should have the right to negotiate individual contracts uh, for their name, image, and likeness. That I don't see the, any reason for uh, governmental intervention in that uh, capacity. Interesting. And do you have any? Uh, do you know of any stats? Like, what what's the average compensation? of a student athletes in the US. Do you have any statistics on that that you've come across? Well, th there are some there are some companies that put those out, but I'm not real sure how you really value those because is the compensation VIK or value in kind or trade out for something or the is the valuation just an estimation of the market value? So how do you measure some social media uh, right. reach? Um, it, it's not a lot of money, comparatively speaking. We're talking about in the f lower four figures as the average, so two to three thousand dollars on average, which, um, quite frankly, annually, is not a lot annually. of money. Annually, yes, it's right, not, not a lot right, of yeah. money. Um, what I find fascinating is that nobody is calling for a standard coaching contract in which uh, elements of that every coach has to be compensated the same way and that all of those sorts of things. Um, and and everybody seems to be making, you know, as you, as you alluded to early on, LeBron James's son has a yep. name, image, and likeness deal that's this amount of money. Well, we're focusing in on sample sizes that we can collect on one hand when right. we're talking about people that are making the huge amounts of money and everybody focuses on that. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the the average college football assistant coaching salary is nearing a million dollars a year. But oh, we know yeah. we can't do anything about that because that's a violation of an antitrust statute. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, they, they, they tried to do that in the law of NCAA case years ago. They tried to, to limit what a college coach could make. And the courts, the courts don't like that. That's a, a, that's a violation of the law. Yeah, uh, but they're going right away to to Congress and wanting to get around that exempt that antitrust uh, statute, and so I think um, I continue to tell folks that are interested in looking at this dispassionately and objectively um, realize that the fundamentals still apply. Not all yeah. college athletes should be deemed employees. Clearly, some college athletes are employees uh, and so we need to differentiate the two all college athletes have access to their name image and likeness and should be able to monetize it the 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 more restrictions we put upon that i think is bad
and I find it fascinating that many times free market capitalist uh, legislatures or people who in any other realm or discussion would say we need to have a free and unfettered market when it comes to the players all of a sudden they want strict regulation and they talk about guardrails and everything being out of control and it being the wild west and we need to tightly regulate this whereas they don't want regulation in any other form and they surely don't want regulation in their compensation yeah and so if you had to make a prediction how do you see the nil evolving in the next uh let's say the next two years in the u.s what do you um, think I, I think it'll it'll continue the way the way it is right now. I I don't think that there's going to be federal preemption of of state regulation. Um, I think college, the, the the college athlete marketplace will reach a point of equilibrium. Um, quite frankly, I, I don't see that that things are going to get out of control and everybody's going to go crazy. Um, everybody's worried about. Uh, the, the haves getting more. Well, yeah. I, I think name, image, and likeness could actually have the opposite effect and have a player go someplace um, that he or she wants to go for some marketing strategies. But by and large, athletes are athletes. They're not marketing brands. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So look, we 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 at the end of the the interview, but I wanted to uh, thank you for your time today. It's very interesting. Uh, so we'll make sure to follow the involution of the NIL. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.